welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, the high school spring season's winding down, and I was really watching baseball close this last week because not so much that I thought any of these teams could overtake Wilson in the district. They didn't. Wilson's going to win the district for the third year in a row. But I was just watching for positioning and kind of the signals as we head into the offseason. And that, that kind of sets up how I want to talk about these seasons wrapping up as most sports have two games left, um, particularly the diamond sports. They have Monday games and Wednesday games. So I want to talk to you about those two sports kind of, or any of these spring sports kind of in a sense of, you know, what their hope level is at. And, and you know, maybe, you know, are they aspiring to state championships getting out of the region or, or is their hopes as, as good as next week? and going to die in the region somewhere. So uh, without knowing our matchups yet, I want to kind of talk about that. So let's start with baseball. As I said, Wilson wrapped up that district. But tonight on Monday night, they had that big indicator game. And we talked a lot about this last week about, you know, what is Wilson going to be able to do against these Valley District teams going in 3C? You know, you, you were putting a lot of credit in how strong they are. I, I've said that they, they play pretty well against them earlier in the season. Well, they lost to Spotswood tonight. So to your to your side of that argument, there's an indicator there. Losing to Spotswood tonight. And, uh, you know, that's not the sign they wanted going in to the postseason about to play, you know, if it lines up the right way, Broadway, or they could get a rematch with Spotswood again. So, um and then there's also Fluvanna and some other teams that'll play into play into effect there. So Wilson didn't really get the sign that they wanted. They had won seven straight games. They lose on Monday night. Um, but as I said, still have wrapped up the district. Still have a lot to play for. W- where do you put their hope levels? Are, are you? Do you think they have legitimate hope to get out of the region? I, I think saying state title is too far. For I me to even thought. Say. What do you think about them getting out of the region? I thought. This week was about hopes because you specifically, before we started recording, to do a little backstage, okay, okay, so legitimate said, hopes. Don't I mean, give me predictions, me give me hopes. Their hopes, yes. <laughs> they are hoping to get out of the region. Yeah. I will save. I, in, I told you, okay, I won't give predictions or what <laughs> I, my hopes are. I will just say their hopes are to get out of the region. I will dole out reality next week. I think it's legitimate for them to have that hope. I don't think they're walking in a falsehood to have that because of previous success. I'm, I'm saying tonight, not a great indicator. Now, I did hear that they were not supposed to be – Finn Irving wasn't going to be pitching on Monday night. Um, and and they, were, they were not necessarily going to throw their best pitchers at this game. Um, because they felt like their seed was kind of locked up. They, they've achieved all the regular season they can right here. Um, but still, if their hitting wasn't there tonight, uh, getting shut out, never a good sign. Um, you know, if their hitting's not there, that's that's the worrisome part. So, I, you know, I get the idea maybe you don't have the gas full on, but you still want to see a little bit of fire there. So um, I am probably a little, like, I, I'm, I'm half a step back from where I was. I still think they can get, I, I they should Welcome be to hoping to get out of the region. I don't think win the region, but uh, I am more worrisome than ours. So I, I think their hopes should be, you know, <laughs> just, just get through a, like a semifinal game is, is, is where their hope like, should be. Like when we had our conversation about 
my concern. Yeah, I acknowledge it. And last week he said, well, they've split with all these Valley District teams. Shouldn't be a problem. And they, I'm and, not saying and that's fine. They didn't want to use their best pitcher tonight. They not have zero confidence. They didn't want to use their best pitcher tonight. That's fine. You're not going to be able to use your best pitcher every game of the region tournament either. And in fact, you're not going to be able to use your best pitcher in one of those two region tournament games. You need to be able to win those. Especially if they're, I mean, let's be honest. Well, no, let's not be honest because this is about hopes and dreams this week. So hopes and dreams, yes. Wilson is hoping (laughs) that they pitch better and they get more consistent uh, play in the region tournament. I mean, they've, they've been fairly consistent. I mean, winning seven straight games, they've been consistent s- since April. I mean, early March is, or late March is when they had their issues. They've been consistent. They just want to see that back. One loss out of however many they've had now. They've had a great season. They'll just need to make sure they're ready to go at that level. I mean, they dominated the district. And, and to your point, I, I'm not going to argue – they need to be way better than what this district has shown. I was going to say Buffalo that doesn't Gap, mean anything to me. Yeah. Buffalo gap gave them a heck of a fight. They're the second best team in the district. And that's why I have good hopes for Buffalo gap and one B, you know, not only because one B doesn't usually provide the strongest, uh, you know, contests to Buffalo gap or riverheads in the last six years in these playoffs where both teams have made their runs. Um, but also I've seen gap play pretty well. They played Wilson pretty tough. Uh, two times, but then the problem with gap is their inconsistencies is it's like all or nothing. Like they, they play great in a lot of games win you know, six straight here and there or not here and there, but here, and then they'll lose to Stanton. And then they'll, when they do lose to a Riverheads or somebody that's not necessarily embarrassing, they get blown out. So <laughs> you don't want to be, you don't want to go into any of those postseason games against a region one B team. And then all of a sudden get down three, nothing. Cause that's probably a, that's going to be the worst sign for Buffalo Gap. It's it's like they're either come out hammering or they're done. And so you don't like seeing that. Um, the other team you would have hope for in the postseason here, and I think we're, we're talking about the only three teams that they have hope for any kind of advancement, Riverheads, they're just so – they keep showing their youth every single week. We have reason to point to their youth. They laid an egg against Wilson last week. So I just – I don't – I have no confidence to say that they have hope to get – anywhere far past the region. I think they could get out of it. I think it's going to come down to seeding. Right now, Buffalo Gap and Riverheads are two, three. My hope is that one of those teams drops to four or one of the, or Buffalo Gap can jump up to one. Buffalo Gap could. They beat Stewart's draft on Monday night. They could get that little bit of a bump in a tight race there with Lunenburg and get a one seed. I just don't want to see those two teams at two, three. Then I would have more hope of maybe getting two teams out of here. I think we'll get one. That's my my most solid hope out of these three teams we talked about three C for Wilson and then one B for gap and riverheads is one of those two teams. I believe will make it to the state playoffs because I just one B isn't the greatest. And I think these two, these two teams are strong enough to do that in one B. Yeah. You said a lot and I, I guess I'll go back hopes. Yes. I think both of these teams should have the hope that they can get out of the region. Only yeah. one of them will. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead out. and say I, what I, I mean. You're saying that. that you like it. You don't think it's just because 1B is not very good, but you think these two teams are strong. Uh, 
I'll say it. I only think I have that belief because of what 1B is. Uh, These two teams, uh, you know, you touched on touched on it last time. I don't think very highly of the Shenandoah district in terms of the baseball that we have gotten compared to, I'm not saying these teams are bad, but compared to the play in other areas of the state, it's not as good. So that would be my concern and teams going a long distance outside of one B because one B is not good in really anything. Um, and (laughs) as a whole, and so Yes, I, I do think Buffalo Gap or Riverheads will get out. I think there will probably only be room for one of them, but that all depends really on the seating when it's all. Yeah, and we'll set. know that next week when we talk. That's kind of why I, I, I want to dig deeper next week on what we actually think is going to happen uh, next week because we will know the path for those things to happen. Um, but, yeah, as far as baseball current, that, that's the three teams. I mean, draft – you know, they made kind of a run last year. That ain't happened this year. Not happening um, this year. Fort, Stanton, no. Yeah. Waynesboro, if any, no. If anything we would say about Wilson and not making it, Fort has is a lot worse than what Wilson is. Well, the way the and seating so, yeah, is, zero. Yeah, the way the seating is for Fort to do it, Wilson won't. Yeah, currently, currently there. So, um, my problem with Fort is, uh, I. They're not going to get many points out of their Stanton win Monday night. Stewart's draft, I think they probably lose that game. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I might be not fair, fair there. Yeah, just so much inconsistency in this district this year. That's been the problem. Wilson being the most consistent of all, you'd think would have the most hope. But, yeah, those teams in 1B is, is what you have the most hope with. Um, moving it forward, uh, it, regions will start, uh, we'll talk again before the next regions. I think they start Wednesday, the 24th per one of the, um, things I saw. So somewhere around that time. So we'll talk again before that, but let's move it over to softball where we did have a, uh, showdown between Stewart's draft, Buffalo gap Monday night. Everything has kind of been adding up to this ever since Stewart's draft finally got their first loss. They've lost a couple, and then they lose again Monday night to Buffalo Gap. Buffalo Gap now in the driver's seat in the district. They are uh, first in the clubhouse, <laughs> and uh, they're sitting at 9-3. and three. Stewart's draft can only hope to match that with a win versus Fort, Defi- Fort Defiance on Wednesday night. Um, so they'll have split their regular season. So I guess that's going to be a split district uh, at best, or Buffalo Gap's going to win it. Um, but let's modify the talk to the hopes for the postseason. I, I'm to the point with you, and I think the first week I kind of fought back with you. Second week, if I fought back with you, it was for the benefit of debate. Um, I'm fully with you. I mean, Stewart's draft is not going to do anything in the postseason. They, I think they peaked way too early, or they played their best ball then, or all the bad luck is on their side now because they're just, they're not going to get wins against page County, Strasburg, any of those bull run teams in two B. And so I, I really run out of hope for them in the postseason. Yeah. I, yep. You were there first. That's I was there first. Um, yeah. And again, it's not because I'm rooting for that. Uh, I, I always root for our teams to prove me wrong when I don't have high hopes. Um, I'm sure Stewart's draft still has the goal of getting out of the region. But as you said, uh, the fact that they're losing games, getting ready to head into the region tournament is not a great sign because I like the baseball as good as 
Buffalo Gap has been in the district this year, that's not the tier of team they're going to see in the region tournament. They're going to see better tiers. And so if they're struggling against the Buffalo Gaps, the Riverheads, then you've got a problem when you play the Pages and the Strasburgs and you know the East Rocks or whoever in out of the bull run. Like That's going to be a problem. And the fact that I can what say I three like- teams that concern me, only two get out. So that's not good. I for softball, I I don't have really any hope for our three C team. Wilson has their spots where they find wins. Fort Defiance is just not what they were last year, and and that's that's a hard bar to keep up to. So I, I'm not really going to talk about three C here. Um, even though Fort's played well against the three C teams they've had, um, I just neither of them are going to get out of this region. So I, I'm just not going to spend time talking about their hopes. But here we go, Riverheads and Gap again in one B. They're sitting again number two and number three in this current district standings. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough for Buffalo Gap to hop up to one there. So now you look at Riverheads, you know, they're probably going to beat Waynesboro here Monday night. I haven't got a final on that. They're probably going to beat Stanton. So they're probably going to play each other in that semifinal, and we're only going to get one of those two teams out. So it'll come down to, a you know, a face-off between those two teams. I believe they split here in the regular season. And, Unlike last year, where we had both of those teams in the state playoffs coming out of Region 1B, we're only going to get one out this year. And uh, so we'll have to see what that matchup is, I, I, if that matchup actually is what it is. I I could, I would say I'm more confident in Buffalo Gap if we do get that matchup. So I would have to say the higher hope is for Buffalo Gap here. I think Buffalo Gap is, is my highest hope team here to, to go the furthest uh, and play into June here. Well, again, I mean, the way the seating is now, they would play each other, and then the winner of that would go to the States. So one of them will make it. Um, I would have the same amount of hope, but considering... Gap's been a little stronger down the stretch. Sure. Yeah, no, that's true. But I'm saying, like, when those two teams play each other, one of them is going to go. So I'd say both teams can have that realistic hope once they're in that game. Now, if if they were if we were seeing like three and four, then we could have a conversation about, well, you know, the three is a little yeah. bit better. Buffalo Gap's been playing better, but that's not the case. So they'll play I, each I'd other. I'd be fine if, if Riverhead's tanked a game against Stanton <laughs> to fall to that four, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know if you can tank. I would not do that because, <laughs> as I have told you before and been proven right before, as bad as 1B is sometimes, and I just got done telling you 1B's not good at anything, uh, you're playing a dangerous game. F- yeah, trying to get in. I like play a one seed playoffs where we don't have a semifinal against Buffalo Gap. I say it every winter season. I say it every spring. You do season. that to get two of our schools in, and I understand yeah, that. But absolutely. it's not been highly successful endeavor for teams that have tried to take that path because when one of our teams is not the one seed, there's usually a reason for that. <laughs> no, not saying they've tanked, but when they've tanked, when they've fallen to that four or whatever because of a loss at the end of the year yeah. and they're playing the one which is not a team from our area that team is usually one for a reason when our teams are not i'd be more confident here in the spring season having this hope than i was in the winter seasons would have probably had similar hopes i didn't i i i don't like when we have to have like a girls basketball team go down to alta vista or something like that like those have been the failures we we have seen in the last four years uh, the one year we didn't have, um, well, I mean, four years. That was not your stance uh, during the winter season. So I'm sure if it goes south again, if it were to happen again in the spring and it were to go south, you would tell me why you didn't, you yeah. know, in the spring you weren't feeling that way too. But 
No, I I want that in the basketball season. I'm saying I'd be more confident in the spring season. I'm more confident in I'm less confident in one B one seeds than I in spring seasons than I am in the in the winter. Um, jump into tennis, the big showdown that was really the only tennis talk we've had all year uh, was between Wilson and Riverheads. Wilson gets the win. I think that you know been there, done that for that Wilson program, probably showed itself a little bit there. But they took a bigger challenge this year than they have for the last five, six years in in boys' tennis. They've really ran away with the district every other year. Here's Riverheads who challenged them the first time they played, only, you know, winning by the one game. This time, Wilson wins by a 6-3 decision there. And so, gained that little separation. But I, I do still think High hopes for Riverheads in the postseason. Uh, they play that combination class one, class two uh, playoff just because so many schools don't have tennis programs in the class one. Um, but Riverheads did very well last year, went deep, had a lot of people down at Virginia Tech. I think this year they're going to have more of a team hope um, with that. So we're going to see what they're able to get there. You know, playing anywhere close to Wilson's level is a great indicator, especially in that class two, class one um, level there. And, and Wilson, we've seen really good program. We've seen them 12-0 and in this district before. I, I do think the only challenge they really got was one team, and they took care of that. Um, but I don't know if I've gained confidence that they're just going to go deeper in 3C because of how tough 3C is. So um, I think credit to Wilson taking on a challenge within the district this year and handling it. But I don't know what indicator I've seen that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to get out of 3C now. They're going to get past – these Lynchburg schools that, you know, have kept batting them back every other year. So uh, while they have hope, and I think that's legitimate, I, I don't know what increased hope I have from previous years. Riverheads, I think I have a little uptick in hope for what they can do at, at that level. But again, those are the only two teams we're going to really be talking about uh, postseason as as teams will fade away, um, as these were by far the two strongest teams in our area this this regular season. Yeah. And again, like you said, I mean, Wilson is it's not because they're not better than Riverheads that we don't give them more hope. It's that they're going to be facing a tougher quality. Yep. Yep. The girls side, Wilson uh, Waynesboro's had a heck of a year uh, undefeated. They're going to wrap up that uh, undefeated season Monday night. I didn't get a final here on Monday recording on Monday, um, but have to assume they won that again. 3C girls tennis is going to be tough too. Uh, and I really don't know the whole story there as well. Um, but I just, I, I, I've known from the past, a lot of um, state champions have come out of 3C and they've never been one of our teams. So uh, we'll see what we got or not never, but not recently. Um, so um, we'll see what they got and uh, we'll see. I know the tennis playoffs got going. I know Riverheads won their first round uh you know, split region or whatever they call that. I, I don't know the terminology, but they dominated tonight. I think it was against Lunenburg. And um, so they've started that path, uh, but we'll have more on that next week when, you know, some of those brackets are actually updated on the internet. <laughs> I can only go with the information available to us, right? Uh, soccer, uh, Wilson, did what they had to last week to get through the week to still have the same hold on the district. They just need to wrap up the district on Wednesday against Waynesboro. And not that Waynesboro is a zero in this district. Still, Wilson's going to win that game. Uh, they beat them 5 nothing in April, so no reason to think they won't. Again, 3C, going to be tough. 
Last year, I thought Wilson was really tough, and then they got ousted immediately in that 3C playoff. Yep, and they are 8-5-2 overall, 7-0-2 in the district. That kind of tells you where the losses are coming. Yep. It's against that competition they're going to see. I don't have high hopes for them getting out of the region. Uh, yep. And therefore, no one. Yeah, I mean, the top four teams in this district is Stanton, Waynesboro, and Fort. They're all in 3C, Mm -hmm. so whatever we just said for Wilson applies to them more so. Uh, 2B, Stewart's draft has no hope. I mean, the the only thing you say for 1B in Riverheads, last year I think Riverheads a very similar record, and then all of a sudden they won four, three or four postseason games in a row uh, in the girls and the guys. They both had these runs out of nowhere and had more postseason wins than they did regular season wins. Uh, That could happen. I'm just – I'm not going to analyze that right now. If it happens, I'll smile as an alum, but past that, I I don't take a lot of value in that. Yeah, I, that, I feel like as bad as 1B is, that might've been an anomaly and not something to expect. I wouldn't expect it again. Uh, On the girls side though, Wilson, I, I do think Wilson's girls have a better chance of getting out of the region and into the States. I do. I agree with that. That's what I was going with it. And uh, for Waynesboro, uh, that's a team that you'd like to say also has hopes, but they've just kind of stumbled against Fort, which is not a great sign. They're going to play Wilson one more time, so we'll see what happens. Um, If they're able to get another draw out of that or maybe even win, then maybe you start to get the hope that you can get out of the region and back to States. Win, lose, or draw with Wilson, I do expect that that girl's team to potentially get into a region championship. I think that is absolutely a realistic goal for them. Uh, Unlike the boys, when they played out of district, they also had a lot of success. So that's why we're saying when Wilson's girls go into this 3C tournament that is also really good, they, they have shown the success that the boys' side has not. Yep, I agree. So that is the high school spring season. I know track stuff's coming up. Um, no results out there for us to talk about, but getting closer to the Jamboree, most, mostly what you got to know here is that regions are going to be the rest of May, and then state stuff will begin June 1st. So that's kind of the schedule here as we move with the school, with the school year ending up. Um, that's where the sports seasons will go past graduation and whatnot. But jumping up to the college ranks, and I want to start with softball. Uh, because they, they are in the tournament now. We we just had the conference tournaments. Uh, Virginia Tech did beat Louisville last week, like we hoped they would, uh, but then got absolutely rocked by Florida State. Uh, we expected them to get a bid in the NCAA tournament. They do. They play Boston University at 2 p.m. on Friday. They are in the Athens Regional. That means Georgia is the top dog in that region. And uh, NC Central is the team Georgia plays in the first game. So, you know, the Hokies got to get past Georgia is, is the short story and, and those other teams. But Georgia is going to be the toughest team out of that. Um, you know, the last time they played was 2019. So I'm not sure what value we're taking away from that. You know, none, none of these players were really going to be there for that. Um they lost that game. So I, I don't know what value to put at that. They're 3-0 and against Boston. That's who they play next. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that game. And then, you know, hopefully they can make a little a little run here and get out of this. 
my, my reaction, though, to the bracket wasn't so much where they are this weekend. It's that if they find a way to get out, which is against the odds, they, they aren't favored to do that. But if they can find a way and find a little hokey magic, they'll, then they play Florida State next week. <laughs> and that's a team that has absolutely obliterated them this year, 35 to 12. Uh, so I would take a huge win. I think the, the ceiling to my season here for Virginia Tech softball is, hey, can they get out of this first round regional, upset somebody to do it? And, and so that's what I'm going to hope for. Yeah, I, I would agree. I Just uh, given what they've been able to do this season, it doesn't seem like they're going to have the kind of success they had last year. I don't think they get out of this region. I do think Georgia wins this region, and then they don't have to worry about Florida State again. But if Virginia Tech does get out of this Athens region, it's done. I mean, it's yeah, there is no hope of beating Florida State. Florida State is really good. Florida State's the number three overall seed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they are right up there in the same class as the number one and number two, Oklahoma and UCLA. Yeah. So a lot of fun ahead with the college softball. JMU not involved in the postseason tournament this year. Kind of could see that coming. Um, but uh, still, still happy that uh, we get to see them locally here and uh, that's a fun program to watch, but I'll be watching a lot of this tournament coming up and, uh, you know, I'll be rooting against Oklahoma, against UCLA, against Florida State, all these teams that we've seen, you know, JMU or Virginia Tech beat in the tournament these last few years that are our top dogs, Bama, um, you know, I want I want to see them go down and see someone different in there. But I just don't know how far down the list I have to go before I find somebody I root for. That's that's my problem with college sports. I just I don't. I only root for our teams. I don't, <laughs> don't, I don't root for other people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't have that problem. I can usually watch a game and figure out somebody to root for. Now, when it comes to like softball, softball I, I don't like so many of them. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to softball or baseball, sometimes that gets decided on uniforms, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Speaking of baseball. There we go. Uh, let's see. I'm just gonna skip to the part I want to talk about and then you can there do you your thing. Uh, VCU had a big, big weekend series against Richmond. They needed to win that series. Uh, they made it interesting. They had a big lead on Friday, lost it, ended up losing 16 to 10, really put themselves behind the eight ball. But then they came back, walked off the game Saturday when their sophomore second baseman Griffin Boone got a hit through the left side of the infield to score the game winning run. Or was it lost into the afternoon air? It was lost into the outfield. Um, and then on Sunday, they fall behind again, uh, come back. Oh, the, Saturday, they had a big lead and blew it too. Richmond tied it up in the eighth, but then VCU oh, yeah, walked yeah. it off in the ninth, uh, Sunday fell behind to Richmond, uh, kind of chipped away a little bit. And then, uh, this time it was Griffin Boone tied the game on a single through the right side of the infield uh, on Sunday against the same pitcher uh, for Richmond. So really has his number. And then AJ Mathis, who was the next hitter up in the top of the order has an on base percentage of over 500 this year, uh, delivered the game winning hit VCU wins the series on two walk-offs in consecutive days. And now as you look at the a 10 standings, this is where it gets interesting. So, Davidson is a half game up on St. Joe's for the top seed. That is still very much uh, in contention. Davidson will play Richmond. Richmond goes from looking for a top 
four seed, maybe even an outside shot at a three seed to don't get swept or you might not make the conference tournament. Um, so Richmond is going to be actually rooting for VCU. Uh, even though that is their hated rival because Rhode Island winning makes things interesting if Richmond gets swept because they play Davidson, um, the top team, as I, as I mentioned again. Uh, VCU will play Rhode Island. So VCU absolutely controls their own destiny. Uh, if they win that series, they are 100% locked in. If they lose that series and only win one game, but Richmond gets swept, VCU is in. Where it gets a little dicey is if VCU only wins a game and Richmond doesn't get swept. Or, heaven forbid, VCU gets swept. <laughs> that would That's the nightmare. Uh, that series is at Rhode Island. Those two teams are separated by all of a game. Um, George Washington is not technically out of it, they are a game and a half, or excuse me, they are two and a half games back of VCU, but George Washington plays St. Bonaventure, who is last place in the A-10, so they've got a shot, uh, but they're going to have to sweep, and then they're going to need some real carnage. Uh, their problem is going to be, um, actually, I, I think mathematically they aren't eliminated, but I think there is no way for that math to work out in their favor, because Rhode Island and VCU play each other in that they would need Richmond to get swept, and then I don't know who would have the tiebreaker between. Uh, well, hold on, I'll tell you because they played, I believe, <laughs> Richmond and yep, Richmond would have the tiebreaker. So there is virtually uh, no way for George Washington to make it. So um, tough break if you're a Colonials fan. But VCU and Rhode Island, couple Rams cutting it up at the Diamond or er, over in Rhode Island this weekend. And the winner of that series is guaranteed a spot into the A-10 tournament, which will be at the Diamond, not this coming week, but the week after. So um, this is me telling you, you should watch Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are three games a day starting at 11 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Games are scheduled for 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Uh, conference tournament will go on Friday and Saturday as well. Be sure to tune in to ESPN+. Plus. I will be calling those games and uh, would very much appreciate everyone watching and or listening if you're working and uh, have to be doing something else but can listen. That being said, um, hopefully uh, I know the, the folks in at VCU are hoping they can get in, but they got to take care of Rhode Island. And um, that is easier said than done this year. Uh, both teams have kind of been up and down. VCU is 11 and 10 right now in the conference. Rhode Island is 10 and 11. Uh, so that race for seventh is getting tight. And then the race for the top is also not decided between St. Joe's and Davidson. Because as I mentioned, the Davidson Wildcats, they will be playing Richmond, who is fighting for their playoff lives. And just to get guaranteed a playoff spot, they need to win a game. And then you look at who St. Joe's is going to be playing. They're going to be playing George Mason. George Mason, who, because they beat George Washington, uh, has all but assured themselves a playoff spot. They're trying not to get swept by St. Joe's. So the A-10 tournament going to go next week with, with Joe on the call and the A-10 tournament at the Diamond. We have the ACC tournament next week as well. Virginia Tech uh, didn't do a lot to help themselves with seeding for that this past weekend with losing to Clemson, getting swept by Clemson. 
Uh, they'll need a strong weekend at Wake the last week to uh, assure themselves being involved, but also um, having, a, having a better seed than what it could be. Uh, but they play JMU on Tuesday. That's uh, Tuesday night uh, at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. So watch out for that before then. They need a nice little warm-up with the uh, 81 rival there before going down to Wake Forest. Uh, and then UVA, they've set themselves up well for a nice seat at the ACC tournament. That's at Durham, in Durham at the uh, Bulls Stadium down there, which is a cool venue for the ACC tournament. They've had down there a lot. UVA has Georgia Tech this weekend after sweeping Louisville last weekend. And then the Sun Belt tournament, that's in Montgomery, Alabama next week. Uh, JMU, uh, they won the ODU series. They're at Georgia Southern this weekend after they played Tech during the week. Um, and they will, they, they are sitting to be in the tournament. Uh, so this weekend's going to be a lot about, uh, what seating that they will have in that Sunbelt tournament. But we saw the seating for the Sunbelt in softball, only two teams got in. And I think there was a lot of talk that they would maybe have more than two teams. Marshall getting left out, Southern Alabama getting left out, um, or South Alabama getting left out. So I think in baseball, Jamie's going to have to make a nice run there and <laughs> get get a victory there because I, I they're no I, JMU's going to have to win. Jamie would have yeah, to have win to the win conference the tournament belt to get in is, is is what I was trying to say in a nice way. Um, but yeah, trying to get to the championship game and then playing the card isn't going to happen. There, I don't not think for them. Get the love that uh, JMU uh, fans. I, have to in I don't know about that. As a conference, I think three or four baseball teams will get in from the Sun Belt. You think four will get in? I, I was worried it was going to be. I think that was. What I think at least three, potentially like, four. Least three, but they only got two. JMU so ain't I, one of them. JMU ain't one of them. JMU, JMU is going to have yeah. to win the conference. If JMU yeah. wins the conference, that probably means three because someone just lost their spot. Um, and they're going to have to beat a team that's on the bubble to do that. Yep. The strongest spring JMU sport is the women's lacrosse. And I'll have to tell you. They played Army, got the win, and then they played Maryland, and they were having a tough game there. Hosting in Harrisonburg, Maryland, uh, you know, a, a experienced, well-playing team. And, and they're down 14 to 10 with seven minutes to go. And even before that, they were down four goals. And I'm going to be honest with you, Leland and Stephanie gave up. Wow. <laughs> we had places to go. They're down four goals in the second half. We watched the other GMU women's lacrosse run in previous years and kind of know how these games go. And we thought that that's, we, you know, it's, that's not going to happen. So we, we need to get moving to our next event. We need to get going to the next place. Well, us not watching helped the Dukes and they came back with a huge comeback was the last seven minutes of the game. They win 15 to 14, shutting Maryland down, down the stretch, getting goals themselves and they advance. They get out of the weekend now they do have a very tough number two seed, Syracuse, and Syracuse is an all-timer lacrosse program, both men's and women's. So it's gonna be a tough game Thursday at noon on ESPNU, but still a a great <laughs> dramatic win. Uh, when you said something about, I think VCU making things interesting, JMU made it interesting in that lacrosse game. Interesting then enough that uh, we didn't think it was interesting anymore. So, <laughs> well. Now, this is before the game started, but I, I had talked to a Maryland grad who was my partner during the VCU game on Sunday, and he said, I would not be shocked if JMU beats Maryland. So I was yeah 
Well, they were the higher seed. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I know that doesn't always play. It sounds anything, like you can't watch so. them against Syracuse. That's yeah, we what are it not going like. to. We we said that full out. Uh, we uh, we have this joke continually with JMU sports. It seems like when we go, uh, it might not go JMU's way. Like, well, then you're not allowed to go. Games. Like, listen, there was some full season. Born, of football. listen, the only games they lost were the games we were at. The JMU when they hosted LSU in the Super Regional. They won the first game, and then we went and watched them lose two games on Saturday. Like, yeah, we we probably need to stop watching Jamie Sports in general. Okay, then Jeff Bourne, listen, <laughs> get pictures, put them up at the gate, and say these people do not come in. Yeah, when they show up, you get security, you get the JMU police, the Harrisonburg City police, and the Virginia State yeah. police, and escort them to their car. Escort them across. You it. know what? That's not good enough. Escort them outside of the city of Harrisonburg. Send them all the way back to their home <laughs> and tell them you don't I mean, leave. And then you break their TV so they can't watch it. I'd get Kurt Signetti involved because, you know, like we are, you know, pretty nice people and, and there to support the team. And But, no, we're not causing good things to happen for the football team, and so we shouldn't watch. Now, football players who commit crimes, they should be able to play all they want. But us as fans, we make them lose. We, we shouldn't be able to watch. Yeah, well, I was appealing to the AD. <laughs> I figure he could cover all the athletics. But yeah. I was trying to dig it. Kurt Signetti, hey, we need both of us blocked by Kurt Signetti. It's unfair that you're the only one that's blocked by Kurt Signetti. He, I, is, I the only, he is the only person. <laughs> I am blocked I by know. one person on Twitter. My favorite thing is that you're blocked by Kurt Signetti. <laughs> it wasn't even, I mean, I just said maybe we don't highlight the guy, the <laughs> Same week that he's talking about, we're going to play through this COVID thing that nobody else is playing during. <laughs> and that he got a block, so. track. Whatever. He knew it was all a hoax. Um, all right. Please don't so major say league, <laughs> Major League Baseball. Uh, my Pirates continue to struggle. We're probably not going to be talking about them as much as we were, but uh, they come back down to the real life. Luckily, that division's terrible, so I'm, I'm probably going to still hold out hope through the All-Star break. Your Orioles, though, four and two in the last six, winning that Tampa Bay series, uh, winning that um, Pittsburgh series over the weekend. Uh, not a great Monday night here against the Angels, but uh, still, they've been rolling. And uh, my highlight for the Orioles this past week, I was watching Saturday night, mm -hmm. and uh, they had a cycle, and I got to watch that live. It was awesome. Yeah, Cedric Mullins hitting for the cycle. Mullins, Cedric, yeah. Cedric yeah. Mullins, um, today, it was kind of a cool thing, um, even though we didn't win the game. Uh, there, There's an Angels fan who is a streamer on Twitch, which, if you don't know what that is, it's a basically uh, an app where video game players go and other people watch them play video games, because that's a thing. And um, your live stream, yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, there is a guy who went viral gosh, years ago, playing MLB The Show in, in his online stream, he's screaming, Cedric Mullins, I can't escape him because the other guy has Cedric Mullins on his team and he hits a home run on him. And apparently it had been a running theme in his last few games where somebody would have Cedric Mullins and Cedric Mullins would hit a home run off him. So <laughs> Cedric Mullins uh, had been tweeting him during the World Baseball Classic, like, we got to get you out to Baltimore for a for the game. So he came out for this first game and uh, Cedric Mullins signed his Jersey, sent him a signed bobblehead last year. Um, and then uh, hit a home run tonight. 
And so then they show him uh, in where is where he's sitting in the stands, and uh, I mean it was a mammoth blast. And so he's just sitting there going, "Wow!" And anytime Cedric Mullins hits a home run, we the friends in my group text that Leland's not a part of, uh, we've downloaded that. Yeah. yeah, the real friends. We've downloaded that viral video, and anytime Cedric Mullins hits a home run, it's a race to see which one of us will send the video first. Um, <laughs> but I won that battle because I happened to be watching when he hit it tonight, and then I quickly shut it off because it went downhill from there. Uh, the problem with the loss tonight isn't, you know, like you said, we're four and two over the last six. We beat Tampa Bay, which is a huge deal, and then beating the Pirates is nice because they were on the slide. Uh, and the Angels aren't as bad at least yet they aren't as bad as they usually are but we were going up against Shohei Otani and we scored on Shohei Otani and the that's the frustrating part is Grayson Rodriguez then just has an inning where he can't get outs and it's incredibly frustrating because you're sitting there watching the guy struggle and you know you looked up the game log because I had said yeah he's had two starts but I failed to remember that those two starts are against the same team so it's really if he's not playing the Detroit Tigers, it's not looking good for Grayson Rodriguez. And he's just got to be better. It just hasn't been there yet. And I don't really know what's going to fix it. I don't know if it's sending him down to AAA, trying to extend him in AAA. I, I think if the Orioles are what they've been these last few years, yeah, you keep them up and you have them work through it here. But they're fighting for something. So I, I, I do think you got to look at the options of like, well, the problem right now is, out. yeah, the problem right now is you don't have anybody to bring up. Like, there's nobody worth bringing up. And you're not going to, there's nobody in free agency at this point. Um, when it gets close to the deadline, I would imagine they will be buyers. I would also imagine, I would also imagine the way the season is going right now, if, when John Means returns, there is no guarantee that Grayson Rodriguez won't be that odd man out of the rotation. But we'll have to see. Uh, it's a long season. And hopefully he figures it out, turns into the Grayson Rodriguez that we are expecting. But, um, you know, right now we are still very much in a good place. If we were in any other division than, other than the AL East, we would be leading it. And we would be not nearly as worried. Yeah, if you're in the NL Central. Um, if we were in the NL Central, we would have so much cushion, I'd be calling it right now. <laughs> projection. Yeah, I'd be sending you the projection gift. But... We are not in the NL Central, so I will sweat it out. So, Joe, I've been wanting to say, I know we've touched on some of the D.C. stuff there happening with the football team up there. Um, So I've been trying to get somebody on, and finally it hit me on who we needed to have. So let's get to him next. Let's have Alex Flum from WDVM out of Washington. And you're like, Alex Flum, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he's our guy that's been on the podcast twice before, but when he was at WHSV. So let's, let's bring Alex on next. Well, I'm pumped now to have back on the podcast for the third time. And we were just talking before uh, we started recording. Uh, this is your third time, but we haven't had you on in like 150 episodes. <laughs> that's that's too long. That's too long, Alex. Uh, so, uh, Alex, tell us where you uh, you were at WHSV when we had you on. You were doing great coverage there. We had you on your last week uh, before you left uh, for your for I, I think at that time you know you weren't exactly sure where you were going, but you know let our listeners know where you've 
Ben, what you been doing? Yeah, well, first off, it's great to be back on the podcast. Good to see both you guys here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. That was about three years ago now. The time's gone by pretty quickly with everything. Um, yeah, I did not know where I was going at the point yet. I, I got the opportunity to be a part of uh, a station, uh, WDVM in Maryland. Um, and it was an exciting opportunity because they were going through a lot of different transitions. They were actually working on uh, moving into D.C. The station was based in Western Maryland. Uh, now, um, a couple of years later, now we're based in Georgetown in D.C. Um, so oh, we cover awesome. all D.C. sports. And they kind of brought me in and they said, hey, we're working on this expansion of our station. Um, and we want you to kind of start our high school coverage in the state of Maryland, a little bit in D.C. as well. Uh, kind of strengthen our coverage of the University of Maryland. That, that's actually where I went. Um, and then, you know, start making a little bit of connections with the pro team. So as they were going through the transition for the station, re they rebranded as DC News Now. So we're called DC News Now now. Um, and we cover just about everything in DC sports, pro, college, high school. And uh, I grew up in this area as well, just outside of DC in Maryland. Um, and, and of course, we do cover Northern Virginia, and that extends into stuff like UVA, Virginia Tech, and JMU, which I'm happy to be doing as well. I get excited every time we have JMU on a broadcast, so <laughs> so uh, it's definitely good to be doing all of that. So I, I think this, there's some obvious answers to this, so I might ask what maybe surprised you. Obviously, different market size, you know, D.C. and Harrisonburg, not, not a surprise there. But what are some differences that maybe surprise you between – your coverage for WHSV and what you're doing there. I, I'm sure there's plenty of differences that you, you expected, but what are, what are some differences that might've surprised you since you've uh, been in that market? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think a big difference is um, in terms of high school sports, um, you know, in, in Harrisonburg, that was really my first experience covering a lot of high school sports. And it was a really good experience that I enjoyed. Um, coming here, you get here and you have DC, Maryland, Virginia. So with the bigger market, um, you know, I think we have somewhere between 150 and 200 oh. high schools. We have wow. to keep track of when I, I think when I was at WHSV, we were somewhere from 25 to 30. Yeah. Um, so luckily we have, I focus on the Maryland ones. Uh, we have another guy that focuses on the Northern Virginia ones. And then we kind of all split up DC. There's four of us. Um, but it was just kind of, learning how to cover high school sports in a bigger city um, because obviously, you know, down in Harrisonburg, I think people care a lot and uh, here people care too, but it was just finding out like, you know, how can we cover this and how can we do that? And, and then, you know, having to also juggle like, you know, there's a wizards game today, but there's also a really big high school game. And then, you know, Maryland basketball is playing. It's like, which do we prioritize? What do we cover? And, and those are different discussions we had where in Harrisonburg, it was mostly for me, you know, high school, JMU, you know, sometimes we cover like Bridgewater and EMU as well. Um, and, and have to decide what we're going to prioritize with that. But here it's, it, there's just so many more different things going on that we have to try our best to stay on top of everything. Yeah. So how is it coming home? And you said, I mean, you went to Maryland uh, so, you know, how do you battle that bias? You know, I, I mean, here I have to deal with my Riverheads bias right. and let, not let that get in the way. So with football season, it's, it, I don't have to worry about it. I just let it, let it hang out there. Uh, what do you, how do you handle your, you know, bias from your alma mater and, and being back home? Uh, what, how's that dynamic work? 
Well, in terms of being back home specifically, it's very nice to be back home. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get to see my family and friends a lot. Like when I was in Harrisonburg, it wasn't too hard to see them just because it was just a two hour drive up about. Um, but now, you know, I get to see everybody a lot, um, which is really nice for me. Um, in, in terms of covering Maryland, uh, you know, I grew up a DC sports fan too. So it, 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 I have had to adjust to, you know, even when I would intern at DC stations in college, I would, I would still be, I was still a fan, but now having to be on air and talk about it, I do have to take a step back and, and, you know, yeah. you know, re- reporting on stuff you, you, you learn, you, you know, you, you eventually the fan, the fandom wears off a little bit. Like, you know, like d- deep down, yep. I still root for Maryland and the commanders and all the teams around here. But, you know, I kind of have to just in my head be like, all right, you know, today, I have my journalist hat on and, and I'm unbiased and, you know, I, I have to be as neutral as possible, still covering it. And, you know, sports, as we know, is, is a little different where, you know, you can be a little more rah-rah well, about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to, speaking of DC sports, I want to ask you, I'll, I'll put your fan hat on for this question and then I'll ask <laughs> you the journalist question later. But the fan question is, you know, obviously the commander's selling the team is big news. It's kind of been pop, you know, expected the past few months, but it finally was official this week. Uh, as, as a fan of the team, you know, what was your reaction when it finally got announced by the Snyders yesterday, uh, the earlier last weekend? Yeah, well, when it first, uh, so back in April, actually, they did announce that they went into the pending agreement, mm-hmm. yeah. non-exclusive deal. Uh, and when all that happened, that was kind of the big moment where it was like, wow, this really is going to, because it's kind of, it's interesting to talk about it because, you know, it wasn't like it's been one moment where it's like, wow, Snyder's selling the team. Amazing. It, it's it been this gradual move towards it. Yeah. Um, business deal. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just like, just like that. And, you know, I mean, my whole life, like, you know, I'm getting into I guess my late twenties now, I guess would be the accurate way to say it. But, uh, you know, me, me and other people, my age, the people that are around this age, we have not seen this team succeed. You know, we it's, it's been more, it's basically been more scandals than wins. I think to be honest with Dan Snyder, which is crazy and, and an insane statement to say. So every little moment has been really cool to see because I thought this would never happen. Um, but I, I think the big one was in April when they announced him and Harris starting with that initial agreement. And that was a really special day where I, I went and I interviewed sports fans at a sports bar, local fans. And that was really cool to be able to do that. And, um, you know, and then covering it, I, I happened to be at rookie mini camp at the commander's facility when the news broke on uh, yeah. Friday it was, so. I, I, I saw you on there and I was like, <laughs> I mean, it just was like all of a sudden I was like, hey, there's Alex. There he is. <laughs> Not that I haven't seen anything from you, but usually it's like on your feed or something, you know, something from your Twitter feed. But this was like it was got to me a different way. And I was like, oh, this wow. is awesome. You're breaking <laughs> the news here. Yeah, well, it was it was cool. And it, I mean, it was exciting. And, you know, I mean, I've dreamed of covering like a D.C. sports championship eventually. It's funny that the night before I moved to Harrisonburg was the night the Caps won. And then obviously the Nats <laughs> made the run and. We got to, I, I got to come up and do some stuff uh, for WHSB outside of Nats Park, you know, for the night. I think it was the first home World Series game, so that was really cool. But you know, up there with championships, covering 
Dan Snyder selling the team is like covering a championship in a way. <laughs> so uh, it, it, definitely very cool to be able to do this. So let me let me ask the journalist question now. Uh, there had been rumors and and some honestly, D.C. politicians, Virginia politicians that said we are not giving money to a new stadium as long as he is the owner. Now that that sale has happened, do you think D.C.? I mean, obviously, D.C. is the favorite for fans. They they want the old RFK site. How realistic do you think that site in particular is? What obstacles would prevent that even with a new owner? Yeah, so um, I think what you're referring to, uh, you know, they've talked a lot about the stuff with Snyder and Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, after the sale actually tweeted, you know, new owner, check, this check. And then she said, move back to D.C. is next, you know. Um, so I, I, she's made it clear she wants them in that RFK site. Uh, I did a little bit of coverage of this last year that there are some uh, politicians in D.C. that do not want it there. There's a lot of people that actually want to build affordable housing in that space uh, for people that need it. Um, but there are a, a good amount that really want to bring the commanders in there. Um and then, uh, you know, in, in Maryland, they want them to stay there um, where Virginia, they didn't want to bring them in there if I think the state was going to have to pay for it. So yeah. I think it's up in the air. I do think that once the sale goes through, there's going to be a bit of a battle between D.C., Maryland and Virginia for who's going to get it. I think RFK is a very logical place to put it. But again, I wouldn't be stunned if they ended out just building a new stadium eventually where they are now. They may decide it's not worth all the stuff to go through this um, and move it to D.C. I would not be shocked if that happened. But I, I would say maybe if I had to guess, I'd say I this is not official. This is just pure speculation. I would say 60 percent chance they stay where they are. 30 percent chance D.C. maybe throw in a little bit. 10 percent Virginia. That's interesting because, yeah, you know, I, I know the Landover site. Obviously, it would need to be a new stadium because. I don't I haven't met anyone who has loved FedEx Field, but I guess my, one of my biggest complaints, I've, I've only been there a few times. One of my biggest complaints there, though, is there's one way in, one way out. And I don't know if a new stadium on that site actually solves that problem. It's still a headache. And then you also have that uh, that county is a dry county. So it makes it hard for what other franchises are trying to do in terms of entertainment districts around their stadium, like restaurants, bars, hotels, stuff like that, that makes that a harder sell. Do you think that is, I know you said 60% that, 30% DC. Do you think that is a pitch that we're going to start seeing from Northern Virginia and DC and all these other politicians as they try to convince, and then they got to convince taxpayers to give some money probably too? I can see that. And, you know, maybe I ought to take a little bit of the percentage off Maryland and give some to Virginia because the facility, the commanders have the facility in Virginia. There are a lot of complaints, I think, from players sometimes that the facilities in Virginia and then the stadiums all the way in Landover, Maryland, where it's not like you go right over the bridge or in Maryland. This, for, for people that don't know as well, it's way across like maybe an hour and a half maybe with a tiny bit of traffic and it could take maybe, you know, more than that to get there. So uh, if they did build a stadium, Virginia it would be closer. And, you know, another thing you keep in mind is sports betting. It's legal in Maryland. So all the apps, 
mm-hmm. work in Maryland, but in DC, they have, I think one specific app where that's the only one you can gamble on. Or if you go to Nats park, you can bet on, I think the MGM app, if you're within a certain amount of the stadium. So there's a lot of things that come into that, but my guess is at the end of the day, the Harris group is going to sit there and when they take over the team, you know, once it's approved by the NFL and they'll, they may already be having these conversations, but I think they're going to sit down there. They're going to, first, they're going to be focusing on winning, but I think that at the end of the day, they're also going to say, all right, where can we put a stadium that's going to make us the most money? And I think they're also going to keep in mind fan experience, but I think at the end of the day, they're going to try to figure out what's most profitable because I think if it's more profitable, it's probably a better fan experience too, because that means, you know, more winning eventually, hopefully. <laughs> so with with the new ownership group, I know there's a lot of fans. They can't wait for the new ownership group. They just want things to change. What do you think is going to be one of the first things that fans notice with the new ownership group? Because sometimes, you know, when teams sell, it's just another faceless figure that you'll learn to hate over time if you don't win. But <laughs> and, and you love them if they do win. But what is one of the That's first things fans... That's why they have magic there, so we don't have to, we right. don't have to hate it. It's one of the first, <laughs> what's one of the first things fans are going to notice with the new ownership group? Well, I, I've talked to fans and, and people associated with the Sixers and the Devils, who uh, Josh Harris already owns. Um, and they said, you know, he took over the team. There wasn't a lot of winning right away, but eventually the winning came. So the NFL is a little different than building an organization in basketball and, and, and hockey. And so I, you know, I, I, I'm not so sure they're going to take that same approach, but I do think something that fans are going to notice is that there's not a scandal every week. You know, it, it's it's absolutely insane. I think it's one thing you realize it if you're a fan. It's one thing you realize it if, if you're just a normal sports fan or D.C. sports fan or whatever. But being here the last couple of years covering this team week in and week out, it's there's no understatement for it's it's like you're a beat reporter of a soap opera like every week there's something new you know something laughable something that everybody's making fun of the commanders or something serious that Dan Snyder is being accused of or that it's that he actually has done um so somebody coming after him every week, you know, issues with players. I mean, I think back last few years, I mean, you had sewage pouring onto fans in a stadium. You had, um, you know, the railing falling with Jalen Hurts standing there. Uh, they, they tried to, they did like a memorial for Sean Taylor and it was turned out it was pieced together last minute with, not the best quality stuff. So yeah. smoke and mirrors game. So you're like, oh, well, look at this good thing instead of the bad stuff we have going. Yeah. Right. Especially when the, that and they, right. Like you said, Leland, they brought that up last second when Dan Snyder was facing a scandal. So I yeah. think fans are going to find um, that there's a lot more focus on football right away than there is on scandals. And I think that's going to be much needed. And, and, and it's fans around here deserve that, you know? Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna get you out of here. You got you got business of WDBM <laughs> to take care of tonight. We we squeezed you. We you squeezed us in, so we appreciate that. We'll get you out of here on time. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're gonna call you again. You know, we're not gonna wait for a scandal, Commanders. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna wait for good things and and pos- and good runs and all across DC sports. I was hoping we'd be talking about an XFL championship during this interview, but uh. it just came short. But. We appreciate having you on and uh, look forward to having you again.
Right, but we got Ben DiNucci signing. Uh, that's there you go, XFL connection. Ben DiNucci just signed with the Broncos today after a XFL season. So JMU guys, good. And uh, before we wrap up, I just want to say that uh, hope everybody in the Valley's doing well. And I and I do keep tabs on all the high schools, Riverhead, Spotswood, East Rock, you know, all that down yeah. there. Following Tyler Nickel out of East Rock and all that. And James, a hokey now. That. We got him. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, again, I appreciate you guys having me on today. Alex, thanks for coming on. We look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Thank you. <laughs>
just go to Expo right there in Fishersville and see all this. And also, you know, just it was a very family atmosphere there, which was very cool. And, and just, you know, every, everybody was trying to keep up with two or three kids running around there. Um, so it was, it was pretty fun. They had also a big area where you could build your own stuff. They had a bunch of Legos laying out and, um, let kids build, build with that. So, uh, it was a good time. So that's what dominated my Saturday. And, uh, Steve was there, uh, formerly on the podcast. Dan, the man was there who I went to the hall of fame with just a couple weeks ago and has been on the podcast. So, uh, we had a good time and, being there with a couple of educators uh, with the caches there, um, they were talking to everybody there because they they knew all those families <laughs> with the kids because uh, they had taught so many of them. So, but it was a good time and uh, it was fun. That's good. Um, I saw that you know the obviously the ads that were going on for Brickfest or whatever they legally had I to call it. Called, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's all Lego there. So I was I, when I saw the tickets to begin with, I was like, I hope it's not just like. Because there is like fake Legos and stuff, right? Knockoff Legos, yeah. Come and use them, because uh, those are how you do like the football stadium ones, and that's you know caught my interest. Um, but no, this was all. I mean, it was it was a Lego event. It just legally guess, can't selling. be called a Lego yeah. event, right? I get it. <laughs> they were selling a bunch of Legos up front. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, and you might have outed them, and now they will be sued into oblivion anyway. Um, but. <laughs> If the legal people are listening, that's that's fine. But the kids, the kids had a great time too. So I, I will tell you that thing was aimed at me. I told you Ghostbusters, Batman, Ninja Turtle. I mean, that's the prime for us late thirty-year-olds. Uh, so it was aimed at us to bring our kids to that night, and, and we bought right into it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, it's time for your NBA and NHL playoff updates. Let's start with the NBA because that has all been played out at this point we know who's going to be in the conference finals in the east it will be the boston celtics who eliminated the philadelphia 76ers and fans in philly are ready to blow up the franchise and the process I is mean, dead and everything else and then you have in the west the lakers they beat golden state uh crushing the corgi in the decisive uh game seven i believe wasn't it yeah. 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 No. Yes. It would have been gone back. To yes. Them. Yes. That uh, was game seven. Eight. So yep. Lakers won it in six. They I was surprised. Six. I was surprised the Lakers won that series in all honesty. I didn't think before that series start they could. Oh, definitely didn't think they would. You know, it seems like they've turned, flipped on the switch. And most of the times I'm used to these NBA teams that have that capability of flipping on the switch. You know, they kind of get the team together and try to win. And then the first year, maybe they do or don't. They're close. Kind of like the first year at Miami for LeBron and Bosch and Wade. And then the second year is when they try, you know, they're awesome and they try to win 70 games and they win a bunch and then they win the, you know, title or whatever. And then the third year is usually like, okay, you know, not as great. But then all of a sudden they turn the flip switch on and they're right there in the end just in. It just surprises me with this group that the Lakers weren't good early, terrible early. They made their adjustments midseason and then still really weren't good for a little bit. But then as a February wore on and then March, they got a lot better. So, you know, the figurative switch got flipped and I I've, you know, I've hated on LeBron in comparison to Michael Jordan and made clear where I feel about that. I'm not saying this changes that in, in any means. 
But I'll give LeBron credit for being a big part of, you know, being a big part of this, not hiding on offense quite as much as I've seen him do other times in very recent years, and, and being a big part of this and, and getting them the win and, and beating a great Warriors team, a Warriors team that has talent everywhere, and a Steph Curry that can put 51 on you in a, in a game seven like he did the series before. They they kept all that back and and got the win in six. I impressed me. So uh enough that impressed me that I assume they'll beat the Nuggets. So that means the Nuggets will win. Like <laughs> it's just I, I was impressed. I, I don't I'm cheering for them. I don't cheer for the Lakers, but it was impressive. Yeah. Um I look, I this is the the interesting part about this playoffs is the one seed Denver Nuggets are in the conference finals and they're playing a team in the seven seed Lakers that a lot of people think are going to beat them. So if, if the Lakers do lose or excuse me, do win against the nuggets, then on the flip side of the East, you have the two seed Celtics playing the eight seed heat and you might have the eight seeded heat be playing the seven seeded Lakers. You could have a seven and an eight seed in the NBA finals, which is, insane and honestly the way those two teams are playing right now they kind of look like the better sides um and yeah uh well you know i say that but golden state is by far a superior opponent so that's why i think the lakers got pushed a little bit the suns they they gave the nuggets some trouble when they probably shouldn't have um but who knows they still have Jokic, who i think honestly when the MVP was announced, I thought to myself, I was like, I get Embiid's really good, but they have James Harden. They have some other guys on that team that are not terrible. I think the Sixers, while, you know, not as good without Embiid, for sure, I still think they get to a second round without Embiid. If Jokic doesn't play for the Nuggets, that team does not get out of the first round. And I, I thought think, it was. I mean, odd. he won it the last two years. That's the reason they didn't win it. They didn't yeah, but that's a dumb reason. Round. That's a dumb yeah. reason. I agree, but that's what happened. Yeah, but that's dumb. And um, so obviously he's going to be think looking. All that talk with Perkins in the middle of the season didn't help him. He's going to try to get there and get into an NBA Finals and and help the Nuggets win a title. Um, which I mean is kind of a crazy thing to think of at the beginning of the year. I don't think the nuggets were on a lot of people's list to win the NBA championship. Um, the Lakers might've been, but probably not once the playoffs were starting and they were in a play in game. And then for the heat, I mean, this is a team that's playing their best basketball right now for sure. But I think what helped the heat is they played the bucks, which is a matchup problem for Milwaukee. Giannis got hurt. That didn't help. The second round, they played a Knicks team that was playing. They were just outmatched. The Knicks are just not good. And I think the Heat took advantage of that. the Knicks won that game five. Yeah, it kind of felt, well, I think they won um, game two. Oh, yeah, and then they won a game five. You're right. They they avoided the gentleman's sweep. Um, I was surprised. But then they go down in six. So, whatever. Uh, but... If you're asking for predictions, I think it's going to be the Celtics and the Lakers. Yeah, me too. And and my thing was going to be like, how often do I say I've seen it before or something like that? What have we seen more than anything (laughs) is the Lakers and the Celtics playing? 
and here we are again. And it, it amazes me that we we can see that. But I, I agree. It's been I a while. It's gonna though. be like Lakers Celtics. Yeah, it's been a while though. Um, and it's then when was the last Lakers Celtics? Arnett beat them, and then there's been one since then. Has there been one since then? I thought that was the last Maybe. one. Okay. I still, mean, like that one didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, but that's been a while. Know. Yeah, made. <laughs> For me, it doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah, I know, but if you look it up, it's going to be a lot longer than you remember. Um, <laughs> but it's happened a bunch of times, so uh, that's what I'm going with. Um, but, I mean, good for Tatum. I mean, Tatum put up, what, 50 couple in the Game 7 against the 76ers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I had gained a lot of confidence in the Sixers. I think when we talked about our predictions as these playoffs started, I think I had Sixers sons. Both of those teams are gone. Um, I'm just surprised the Lakers are still in it. I honestly, I really am. Yeah. Um, NHL playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs before we talk about the. Wait, other... wait, 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 wait. I want a prediction right here, and it probably we probably already said it, but I just wanted official. So we can I talk said about it. it. Celtics Lakers. Final, but are they? How is this? Both you have one road team there. Next week we are going to record on Sunday. Probably put this podcast out early. Uh-huh. There'll be three games completed in both series when we record. What's the series numbers going to be when we talk next week? Oh, um, 2-1 Celtics, 2-1 Lakers. Okay, so uh, it meets meets that, okay? Uh, NHL. NHL. The Carolina Hurricanes will take on the Florida Panthers in the second round. So far, now, the Dallas Stars are up 2-0 on the Kraken in Game 7, which is record- being played right now as it's time of recording. If the Dallas Stars hold on, I am 4-4 four for four in the second round because I had the Panthers beating the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are a cursed franchise. I had the Carolina Hurricanes beating the New Jersey Devils. I had the Vegas Knights beating, uh, who did they play? Edmonton. And then I have the Dallas Stars beating the Kraken. Oh, actually, you know I, what? That's not true. It'll, I'll be three of four. I think I, I'll have to check the tape. I might have said Edmonton. Yeah, I thought one of those Canada teams were going to get in. I might have been kind that's of not what my, it, but That's not what my yeah. investment said. But it was, it was 2010 last time, Lakers-Celtics. But Yeah, um, so we were a decade ago. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago. <laughs> um, I have not paid any. I just, the hockey has not sucked me in. Even the the games that like, okay, I could switch over there to watch the end of a game. Like, they haven't been one goal games. Like, I just haven't been at the right place at the right time this NHL playoffs. That's been my problem. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's been a good postseason. I mean, yeah, this, I this Stars Kraken series has been good. Um, and you know, the Carolina hurricanes, Florida Panthers should be a good series. Those are, uh, rivals. Um, but I, I do think, you know, you look at the regular season numbers, the hurricanes won two of the three regular season matchups. I do think the Carolina hurricanes put a stop to a team that is, you know, like the heat South Florida has been, both of those teams are eight seeds or like the last seeds in, in the NHL, um, because they don't technically go one through eight. But, um, and, and they're playing their best right now in the postseason. The Heat have looked better. 
uh, the Florida Panthers beat two really good teams. They beat the Boston Bruins, who had the best regular season ever in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Now, the benefit is the President's Cup curse. The Toronto Maple Leafs is the Canada curse. And the fact that that franchise is allergic to winning in the postseason. Um, I'm sure one of the reasons they struggled so much against the Florida Panthers in this series is they probably were already breaking out in hives for having won their first round series against Tampa Bay. Um, and it's probably really hard to play hockey when your throat is getting swollen shut from the allergic reaction of being that deep into the playoffs. But um, with Edmonton and the, the other funny thing is Edmonton gets eliminated on the same night as Toronto. So Canada finds out that once again, they will not win a Stanley Cup. It is now 30 years since the last time they have won a Stanley Cup. Their sport. Three decades. Love it. Love and it, it is also suited like that one of those two teams, you know, like Carolina and Florida, one of those two teams are going to be in the final. That has to just like they have. Ha- and then like Dallas having a chance on there. So like any of the teams like South in the USA, they have to like hate them the more, the further they get from Canada. No doubt. Vegas, they're all warm weather climates. Yeah. They hate them. <laughs> it's for warm weather. The Kraken, maybe they could have bought into like, oh, they're just over the border, but mm. we're going to take that it's- from them too. We don't even want them. We don't even want them to feel good about proximity. Yeah. We're like, nope, that's nope. ours. You don't get Detroit. You don't get the Kraken. And it was funny listening to the love hard because they yeah. were talking, they were joking about, you know, the Florida Panthers winning the Stanley cup and having the parade. And Dan Levitard was saying, he goes, those people in Toronto are going to be so pissed when they see that championship parade and there's like nobody there. <laughs> but did you did you catch out um, the issue that Major League Baseball had? I know it's already talked baseball, but they had the Sunday night baseball going on. Well, it's not Major League they, Baseball. It's ESPN's issue. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but they had it, it comes from a Major League Baseball issue. There's some of the history there. Um Okay, so they had the baseball going on. These games have been moving quicker, but Sunday night it wasn't moving quick enough. And uh, it was Boston versus St. Louis. You had the NHL game starting at 10 o'clock, and they just split-screened it. They didn't shove one to ESPN2. They didn't say, hey, go over to the other channel and check it out. They just said, we're going to show both at the same time and kind of talk about both at the same time, like – it was a mess, and it, I mean, immediately Twitter was blowing up with everybody talking crap on What made that even worse is the game, the Sunday night baseball game is over. It is going into the ninth inning. The St. Louis Cardinals yeah. are up 9-1, to one, kicking yeah. the crap out of the Boston Red Sox. And you have a Three game seven between Edmonton and Vegas. Game yeah. seven. I, yeah. uh, that's problem number one. Problem number two is there are two goals scored in the first minute of the game in game <laughs> seven. And ESPN has Carl Ravitch, who, by the way, doing his best to like relay information and call it the best he can while being at the baseball stadium. Honestly, ESPN should have just said, we're moving the baseball game to ESPN two. Yeah. And put the NHL game on. That's a game seven. That baseball game is over. If Major League Baseball gets bent out of shape, you can say, look, we did the unforgivable thing of putting that boob, Aaron Judge, cut-ins during college football (laughs) season. Do not come to us with we don't care. (laughs) 
we put your last place New York Yankees on TV last year <laughs> when they weren't last place. I know. But their last place this year, that poverty franchise, we put them on during college football season. Don't come and yell at us about we're not respecting your regular season, early regular season, last Against, place Boston Red Sox, yeah. and a bad St. Louis Cardinals team. Last place St. Louis. They're both last They're place. They're both terrible this year. I get what I'm not complaining that they made that to Sunday night baseball. Because I know at the beginning of the year they're thinking St. Louis Cardinals are going to yeah. be good. Boston is a big market. It's going to get oh, a huge number. Storied fan bases. Yeah. It's game seven of the NHL playoffs. You got to put that on. The NHL, I'm sure, is furious. Fans were furious. Because here's the other problem, right? The baseball yeah. fans are mad because they're getting a split screen. The NHL fans are mad because they're not Just getting their game. Mad. Yes. It's it's just baffling. And the only thing that might have overshadowed well no i Uh, guess it's the good news for espn because it overshadows their other mistake during that game which is the in-game interview where carl ravich is talking about mother's day and asked trent uh oh now i'm gonna butcher his name but i think it's cases about his dead mom in an awkward way in an awkward way and i was just like yeah i mean he didn't say Hey, your yeah, mom's dead. It, it just but didn't word at the nicest. Yeah. It was not too far off of, you know, well, it's Mother's Day. And, you know, you and your brother, you know, celebrate Mother's Day after your mom's passing. You know, like, what does it mean to you? No, and, that sounded better than he did it. <laughs> but, like, I sent it to you and I didn't put the caption I tried to send to you the first time. And it didn't send. But I was just like, why would you even, why would you say that? No. Like, yes. It's an in-game interview, dude. Hey, hot dog, hot dogs, ketchup or mustard? Like, yeah. Hey, what, what this season's going shifting? like this season's not going shift against this batter. But now, what are you thinking? Yeah, or when you get back in the dugout, what what flavor are your seeds? But yeah, how? I mean, he it was you even had it more eloquent than he than he said it there. It was it was tough. It was a tough moment and. uh and Carl yeah, Ravage I mean, is I, good. I'm not saying, you know, oh, Carl yeah, Ravage sucks. Like, I like Carl Ravage, but that was not his. We've on air and not phrase things the way we want to phrase something. Right. So I'm, I'm not slamming him. Um, but, yeah, it was a tough moment. <laughs> it was a tough moment. Um, I do want to jump back just real quick. Oh, no, no, no. I'll stay there. I've grown on the in-game interviews. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough cool ones that I've grown on them. I think the first time we saw it was like an all-star game, and I immediately was like, nah, no, no. We don't need to be talking to these guys while they're playing live baseball. At least this is an exhibition, but no. And they've kept bringing it in more, bringing it in more. But I've actually seen some cool ones this year that I've enjoyed and thought, man, that was good. And I guess I just haven't seen the one where the player messed up or you thought, oh, this guy would have done better if uh, he wasn't talking to these guys right now. Um, so I, it's grown on me. I'm not saying, you know, thumbs up forever in every single situation. I don't want everybody mic'd up. Um, but I have seen some cool things, so I, I'm not as against it as I used to be. I don't really like them all that much. Um, when they had the catcher, I forget which catcher they had. I wish I could go back, but I mean, he was saying what pitch was coming. I thought, man, can't the batter hear you telling us this or something? Like, but that, I thought that was cool. He was talking about his communication back with his pitcher, um, you know, during foul balls. I mean, it was like that was the most interesting one I've seen. I've seen plenty that I've like actually was interested in what they were saying. I think that on opening night, they had one in left field. Um, I forget who that was, 
I, I maybe it'll stick with me as well, but I I come away entertained. No, I think that's why we're here. The Dallas Stars are going to beat the Seattle Kraken with 22 seconds yeah, left. They're up two goals. So unless something yeah. really bad happens, I uh, want to jump back to the one side of this with the NHL MLB going split screen. ESPN has this history with Major League Baseball where they were shoving games to ESPN two once the NFL season came back when the ESPN had Sunday night football. MLB broke out of that contract two years early because of those decisions and then like sued in a way sued ESPN to get themselves out of the contract. It wasn't, you know, they just sued to get themselves out. So that's the history that they're battling there with major league baseball. It also tells you something that NHL on one of their biggest nights, ESPN still wasn't willing to go them. And it still shows even as much as we hammer baseball priority, is still baseball's ahead of the biggest moment in NHL. I I just would have chosen a fan base to piss off. I mean, that's where I would have gotten to. At some point, you just got to be like, we're either going to make these people mad or these people mad. They went with make them all mad. I just would have chosen a group. But I also, like chose, what they chose I, to I air on ESPN two. I, I can I can sleep at night and be like, I put Game Seven on. I like baseball more. I know probably more people come in and watch baseball, but this is game seven. And I'm going to make the argument come October when there's a big moment for baseball, I'm going to screw over some other sport and show you your baseball. So deal with it. Yeah. We would, we would push a college football game to ESPN yeah. plus or something and put your yes. playoff game on like and an sec game is going to start on ESPN news. So we can watch, you know, the ninth inning of your big moment, you know, play in yeah. game or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's it's mind boggling to me. And again, like the the decision to not throw either one on ESPN two yeah. when the like alternate is cornhole. Like there is no way you are you going to get a higher rating. Score. Have the score on ESPN of that other game. The score, the little score bug, fine, but have the game playing over there. And and just say, yeah, and put, you know, your ESPN two logo on there so they know, okay, I need to go watch it on ESPN two. Yes. They and do it all Carl the time. Ravage says, hey, guys, go. If you're watching, tuning in, go to ESPN2. It's on yes. ESPN2 at the conclusion of the game. It'll come over to ESPN. Like, I look, I've, I guess I'm oh, just used I, to it. I'm had, used to it. I would have had Steve Levy saying it. I'd have had hockey on. I, I would have had hockey on. Yeah, I would have said, I Carl Ravage, you say when we hockey. come out of this break, we are going to ESPN2. So yeah. if you want. Have if Steve you want to watch the rest of this baseball game, do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that's that's the choice I would have made. But if you're going to yeah. say we don't want MLB to get mad, then we're going to move hockey over. Although this is a new deal with hockey. I'm sure the NHL does not love this. And I'm sure somebody but at ESPN is getting chewed out. Major yeah. League Baseball is, is going to say something. Yeah, they're both going to get chewed out. And again, yes. like I just think if I have three options and my choice is I have MLB mad, I have NHL mad, or I have cornhole mad. I'm going to tell the <laughs> cornhole, look, we're doing you a solid by putting this on TV at all. You're on the Ocho. Don't, Go back to the Ocho. don't <laughs> you dare. Yeah. I mean, just like... I'm going to be I saying, mean, one, how did you get this number? And two, don't call me ever again. When you sign a contract with ESPN somewhere up front, and maybe the NFL wouldn't have this, but everybody else, just like in poker where you got hands that are higher you know you got the flush yeah you got the straight flush just list out the like what could happen and game seven of anything is going to be ahead of a lot of stuff and just 
say that. And, and that's what the deal is. Yeah. And, and again, like I hear what you're saying and I, I am sure major league baseball has, I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm sure major league baseball is doing better than NHL in the ratings, but how much longer is that going to be the case? Yeah, I, I would just do the one that is the better sports moment. You, a game seven is bigger than April, May baseball. So, um, speaking of cards, speaking of poker, uh, did you ever get into the poker craze? Like, did that hit you at the right time to where you watched a bunch of cards on TV? Yeah. See, I was getting into college. I think I was a senior in high school and then in college when World Series of Poker on TV became the bigger thing. I think ESPN had a history with it, but it became the big deal. And yet, Chris Moneymaker was one of those big early guys and, and people like that. And we watched it. We started playing. We'd play, you know, we'd have a, <laughs> a period of time in college where we're playing once a week and stuff and having people over. Um, but I always heard, you know, that was, I always thought one of those first, it's not a sport, but first, you know, competition that I knew nothing about and really, you know, learned like I did with F1 last year. And in other times I've tried to catch on to a sport, this competition, this tournament, I, you know, bought into it, started watching the show, learning the history And Doyle Brunson was always one of those names that came up and uh, he passed away. He was one of the le- old legends of the game. Uh, there's a hand named after him in Texas Hold'em, where if you get a 10-2, particularly a spades with 10-2 suited, that's a Doyle Brunson hand. You shouldn't win on that hand. He won the World Series of Poker one year on that hand. Um, so that's that's the legend of Doyle Brunson. And, you know, he's an old dude in a cowboy hat playing poker. And uh, whatever stereotypical things you would say about someone doing that, he, he fit that mold. And so um, he passed away this past weekend. And it just kind of brought up a lot of those memories. Because I don't watch as much cards on TV anymore. Uh, but I did there in college and stuff and, you know, we were playing a lot. So I just wanted to mention that cause it really brought up a lot of old memories and I wasn't sure we had never really talked about poker and cards and stuff on, on TV. Um, you know, we still get a game together. I still get invited to games. My problem is three kids. That's probably my bigger problem. But, uh, I think one time Dan, the man put, uh, my niece, I, th- I think he put her on the table and, and bet her on a 10 two on a Doyle Brunson hand. And I, I still think, I think he won that hand, which was crazy. So <laughs> well, I'm that glad was he got to keep his daughter. Stuff. That's good. That was, that was amongst friends. Uh, <laughs> and so it, I don't think any kids were actually going to be taken away. Uh, but yeah, that, that reminded me of that. So. Yeah. I All just, right. I never yeah, really go got ahead. into the, I never really got into the card craze. Um, yeah. I was in high school, I guess early high school and uh i just remember like by the time i got to the age where it was somewhat interesting i was like yeah yeah i think it it had its moment and they they tried to find ways to keep people kind of watching and it it just didn't work out but yeah it was fun i mean i enjoyed it it taught me the game and it's fun to be able to go play now so it's fun um not what's dominating my life, but just a heads up PGA uh, championship is this weekend at Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the majors. So all everybody will be playing there except, except the, the live tour guys. Hey, we want to talk about TV moments here. Did you see this one? Uh, the live tour was playing on Sunday 
And CW. it was their final round, and it's coming down. And I have not watched any live golf to know exactly. I know they're on teams and stuff, so I'm not sure the exact situation. But they, it wasn't finished, and they, and they were still playing. Well, 6 o'clock or whatever time hit, and there was many CW stations that just cut away from the live golf and did not finish the live event. And uh, today I watched a whole Twitter, like, feed that talked about like this station in Chicago and this station in New York and what they cut to. And like, all of it is like reruns of some old show. Like none of it is. Yeah. Like Smallville in- or the flash. Oh, or some but even other, like, like-, even like sitcom TV, just like crazy things. And I mean, it's so, so funny. Like you hear the guy, the announcer on live golf saying, Hey, if you want to keep watching on some of your channels, if you want to keep watching us, you need to go to live golf or WCW.com and click on live golf, live golf because that's the way you'll get us as um, some of you guys will be going to lo- uh, already scheduled programming. And then they go to like some bull crap show, like nothing live, nothing new, nothing that people haven't seen before. I, I mean, that's, it could be worse for the NHL and MLB. It, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, well, I mean, we say that, but they did sh- ESPN did show cornhole, um, which is probably the equivalent of Smallville. Um I, yeah, I mean, look, the CW announcement when it was made was one where I was like, I didn't know the CW did sports. Good for them. And when they got Live Golf, I was like, oh, hey. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, when when they announced the deal, like, Live Golf is going to CW, oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. I didn't know the CW did sports. Good for them. Um, I also didn't know it was still called the CW. So, also good for them, I guess. They haven't had to rebrand yet. I might have called it the WB a couple times than what I just said, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it, I remember when it was the Jensen. WB. Um, <laughs> but they paid almost nothing for Live Golf. Yeah. So I'm not terribly surprised for someone to be sitting there going like, uh, no, and, yeah. <laughs> and just yanking it to local TV. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. I I didn't actually have the note to talk about this because I had forgot about it, but I I was like kind of laughing because it's just the hard transition. Because like I don't even think it was like straight. I I actually I mean I think it was six o'clock, but like it seemed like it caught a couple of them in like already talking like in the next show. Like it wasn't a smooth transition even, and it's just like it's kind of jarring to watch live sports like transition to like an old season of. Las Vegas, <laughs> like an early I get, 2000s. Show. I get like, mad. Like, yeah, I get mad doing? when, and it's the right decision, but when there's like a severe weather thing and they the news cuts into what yeah. I'm watching, they're like, You've actually talked about that on here before. Severe weather. I, I don't think I commented because I was like, Ooh. Yeah, severe weather. And I'm like, Oh, come on. <laughs> Unless the tornado is hitting my house, I don't care. <laughs> Well, they won't cut away from Oak Hill this weekend. Uh, Scheffler, Rom, McElroy, those are the, you know, the leading bet guys. So uh, you got you got any thoughts on any, which golfer is going to win the PGA? I don't. I haven't looked at any of that. I haven't looked at how they do at Oak Hill. Um, because I watched the golf program on Netflix where it followed the guys. Oh, the uh, swing. Full swing. What'd you say? Full swing. Full swing. Yeah. Uh, Tony Finau. I'm rooting for him this weekend. I'm not saying like. Masters no champion wins. Tony Finau? 
Say it again. Masters champion Tony Finau. I'm rooting for Tony Finau. He's not. He's, oh wait, he didn't win. John Rahm. He didn't, didn't win the. He didn't win the Masters. I was like, yeah. Was what am I talking about? I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. I was, I was like, what did I? I, I know what the problem is. The problem is during the Masters, in addition to like watching someone of the real Masters, that guy who goes viral for his Masters updates where he dresses in the green jacket and does like a Masters rap updating everyone on the score uh, where everybody is on the table. Yeah. Um, he sings one of my favorite things is when he's talking about Tony Fee now. So Tony Fee now, where he be now. Um yeah. And so I he just cool I have story. I've associated him with winning the Masters for some reason. So I was like, oh yeah, Tony Finau, where he be now, Masters he'd, champ. He'd love to, and I would love for him to win the Masters someday. I'd like for him to win this major, uh, just because I like his backstory. I like what he fought through a year ago in that program, and uh, his family dynamic and stuff. John Rahm is who won the Masters. Yes, he did. Uh, he is the second most odds on. Well, on I mean, to win, so. yeah, he's playing really well, and you're not shocked if if he has another strong tournament in in the PGA Tour Championship, John Rom. But um, I will probably watch none of it. Yeah, I have more likelihood of watching it Thursday and Friday during the day than anything else. So no, I won't watch any of it. I. I they there could tell me that I have to watch that or whatever the CW programming was that cut off Live Golf, and I would probably choose the CW programming that watched cut off Live Golf. Whatever it is. <laughs> and that's me not knowing. I would be like, oh, give me the give me the mystery box. It might be a boat. It might be a boat. Oh yeah, I have to close this thing, don't I? <laughs> so <laughs> I know I know that reference. You didn't pass me. I, I know, know that reference. But <laughs> you can catch super deep references like that every week on the Yak Sports Podcast. Uh follow us at Yak Sports Pod, YAC Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us Yak Sports Pod, YAC Sports Pod at gmail.com. Your Augusta County Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, again, we if you subscribe to us on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, you won't miss when we post episodes because we're going to be posting at an unusual time next week um, due to uh, the conference tournament that I talked about on Tuesday that it's I will be doing. We're going to be recording Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at some point. And when we do, uh, we will go ahead and post that so I can take care of everything I need to on Monday, Monday, Monday. And yeah, again, make sure you're watching ESPN, ESPN plus, uh, next Tuesday through Saturday, you can watch the a 10 tournament and, uh, watch somebody punch their ticket to the NCAA regional regionals. You've been listening to yak sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.